0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L V A N 29.com. Michael Kist. You caught me not listening again. Benjamin Solak.
1: You never listen.
0: It's the Kist and Solak show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 110, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael N F L. that's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow his work at TheDraftNetwork.com, BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak, that's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother?
1: Mike, every day is a good day to be alive. I will say that uh, the second week of preseason is not a- as good of a day, to as, as easy of a day to be a good day to be alive. Uh, though, obviously, bringing home the win is nice. I watched 57 minutes of Clayton Thorson last night, Michael. Well, you were out cavorting with podcast people at a conference, to which I was not invited, but that's not important. We don't to talk about this right now. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was not the easiest uh, preseason watching. I still don't think they should put Carson Wentz in, but God, I would appreciate watching a series oh uh, just just to see, remind myself what quarterbacks look like
0: they they ran four bubble screens to the slot they only completed one with thorson in there like this is and that
1: was that was to michelle right
0: yeah this this is like simple stuff they had one intercepted that like i i, I don't know man like he's thorson has like permanent like ice cream headache and it just, it just like he can't shake it which is fine yeah. i mean he's a rookie but god right
1: Here's the thing. If we want to talk about Thorson in terms of, like, I put Thorson in my winner's group last night, which felt dirty. Um, bold. But, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Number one, <laughs> against the Titans, he made zero NFL caliber throws. Against the Jaguars, he made multiple NFL caliber throws.
0: Mm, did you think his 38-yard touchdown to Greg Ward was an NFL throw?
1: No, it absolutely was not. And <laughs> and, and BLG was defending him. BLG was like, ah, right. Was like ah, oh, you know, he was blitzed. I was like, yeah, but he also had the entire like 15 yards to the end line and then the next 10 yards you know in the end zone whatever he had all that space just hang nothing out there like Greg Ward run under it and he decided to leave it short he's a noodle arm yeah um but no like the fourth and three throw to Will Ty was a good throw yeah he had a back shoulder to a single wide side that was a little late but it was in a good spot you know what I mean like he had more NFL caliber throws and again Michael I can't emphasize this enough The baseline was zero, and so there was only, you know, we could only go up. That's what's important to remember here. That's true. And then the other reason that he's a winner is because with, you know, and and it's it's kind of by proxy, it's by virtue of a void, with Nate Sudfeld definitely benched and and, uh, and now Clayton Thorson, or not Clayton Thorson, uh, Cody Kessler, indefinitely out. Thorson has the opportunity for a huge amount of playing time, and that's what you want as a rookie in the preseason, right? And mm. so he also, like, he got to play 57 minutes in week two. That's huge for him in terms of the game slowing down and starting that long, long developmental process into being an NFL-caliber quarterback. For sure. Uh, so, so, so he's a winner for that in that regard as well. Also, you know, he's not not mobile, so that, you know, it's nice to see him move. You know, that, that happened. You know who can move? Alex Magoo, brother. Alex Magoo, let's have you because you were not on the timeline last night. Michael, trade a fifth rounder for Alex Magoo. Put him as my backup. You see this kid? Really? Did you see that throw? The one, the DJ Chark one that was broken up, I think, by Jared McKinnon, maybe somebody else. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah McKinnon, dude, Magoo. <laughs> can sling the rock a little bit and he can move and he's got a full sleeve and funny hair I mean what else do we need yeah
0: he's crushing the 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 aesthetics part of it for sure
1: the Jacksonville Jaguars have the coolest looking third string quarterback in the world at Alex Magoo the coolest looking second string quarterback in the world to Garner Minshew and Nick Foles is their starting quarterback (laughs) yeah
0: Nick Foles by the way now officially 0-1 against Carson Wentz the debate is officially over, in my opinion.
1: Absolutely. Wentz over Foles, QB wins.
0: I'm actually interested in what you think about this because I kind of tweeted about this the other day. But like before we get into like more details about the 24 to 10 win for the Eagles in the super important preseason game, I was thinking about Foles' situation, and I know there's the, there's the fringe group. That really defend fools, And some of them thought he should yes, have been the, the quarterback insurgents. in Philadelphia long-term over Wentz. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl MVP, all that stuff. Like, we get all the trolls talking about it, too. But, like, how do you measure this season for fools? Because we always talk about three things. Coaching, quarterback, talent. We're not even necessarily sure... If the Jaguars have any one of those.
1: I dare you disparage Jonathan D. Filippo.
0: But we don't know what he is as an offensive coordinator. We aren't sure. We don't know what Foles is as a long-term, he's been a spot starter. He's been highly successful as a spot starter. One of, the, one of the most successful ever in the last couple of years. But we don't know what he is like as a long-term starter. And the thing is, the way that the Eagles offense was set up for him, he had the most zero to one step drops In the league, in the NFL, they are designing the quick game for him to be a facilitator in Philadelphia. That's what they did for him. In Jacksonville, they don't have weapons. Unless DJ Chark really develops this year, who are the guys catching the ball? Who can you go zero to one step drops and just dump the ball off and you're going to have success or throw it up to? Where are the big bodies to throw it up to like Foles like? So how do you gauge the success? Because I think if Foles is anywhere near as productive... As Carson Wentz this year it is a very good argument for the Foles cult in terms of like Foles is up there like with Wentz possibly because the situation that Wentz is in right now with all of these weapons and the coaching that they have is far superior to the situation that they have in Jacksonville and if Foles can make that work to a comparable level to Wentz like okay. we really got to put some respect on his name for that you know what I mean I mean we respect the yeah. hell out of him for winning the Super Bowl but this is like different type of stuff right here
1: yeah 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 uh I mean I I agree well my challenge to you would be like to find close to Carson Wentz you know what I mean because I think it's very reasonable that Foles and Wentz will have a a similar completion percentage I think Foles will be or I think Wentz will be thrown at about three yards further down the field per attempt but I think you know the completion percentage is going to be the sh- the same I wouldn't be surprised if their touchdown-to-interception ratio, not necessarily volume, but ratio is roughly the same. I think there's stats that you can look at where I would expect them to be nearby. The thing is that like, it's the question of what does Wentz do outside of what Foles does in terms of, I think, you know, with, with Foles, we've seen one offense be successful with him. DiFilippo was part of the team that ran it in 2017. Yeah. Uh, he's going he's to bring the system and, and, you know, it's going to be, I think, good for what Foles does. But I think you've seen Carson in 2017 be very successful with more of a, a downfield passing attack that had deeper threats and wanted to attack the intermediate levels of the field. And then in 2018, come back and be successful with a quick game offense that was predicated on those zero-to-one-step drops like I think Carson gives you a ton more versatility as a play caller and what you can do. I think that, accordingly, you're going to get more <laughs> ability to go downfield. I think you're going to get a better ability to, you know, extend plays. And, obviously, like, Foles is just, like, a pocket guy. And Carson gives you stuff outside of the pocket and can survive rushes. And so, like, I think I think that, you know, it's it's just, like, if you say, like, statistically close, I mean, there's statistics I can show you where I expect Foles to be better than Wentz. Yeah. It's about, you know, kind of a more holistic view than that. But then, you know, like, I think – I think Foles and D-Flip are going to be good in Jacksonville. I think D-Flip is good for Foles, and I think Foles is easily a top 30 quarterback in the league, so he's among the starters. I agree with you in the sense that, you know, weapons-wise, Jacksonville's got work to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, D.D. Westbrook, Marquise Lee, and D.J. Chark is not the Lord's wide receiver core. That's not—and like, I, and I, I think that they like Chark, but still, like, it's not— I agree. It's not pretty. They're starting tight ends like James O'Shaughnessy because Josh Oliver's out with injury right now. Yeah, that right side of the line with AJ and Will Richardson still needs to get sorted. You know, uh, and so this is, no. I agree. The weapons are an issue, but. I think this is a good spot for, for Foles and DiFilippo in terms of the, the marriage that they'll bring and the way they'll run their offense.
0: Yeah. And I don't care about completion percentage of it or, or, or any of that because all of that needs extra context. But if we look at, you know, like adjusted net yards per attempt, yards per attempt, average air yards, all that stuff, like if we take it all in and then you just even with the volume stats, I'm not a big volume stats guy, but like touchdown rates, I think Carson Wentz is going to way outpace Nick Foles. If Foles can keep up with him in all of those areas, then it's, it's an interesting conversation for me and, and really, you know. You, have, you would have to respect the hell out of Foles for making that situation work. So so something that I was thinking about because it is going to be fascinating. And, and I'm kind of giving Foles an out here because everybody knows that I'm a, I'm a Wentz over Foles type guy. But I'm kind of giving Foles an out like, hey, wow. if this doesn't go well
1: running back on his take unbelievable
0: <laughs> but i mean if it doesn't go well what what did you what did we really expect from Foles in jacksonville what can we really extract from that because of the situation there so that's kind of kind of what i'm saying there i
1: love oh wow already just making excuses for Foles in jacksonville what a truther <laughs> Ben i don't, a coward. I don't
0: even know what you're trying to paint me as. Am I? Am I a Foles? I'm so,
1: not saying that you think Foles is better than Wentz, and you're already making excuses for when he's not as good this year. Unbelievable. No,
0: goodness. Jeez, Ben. Yeah, I hate right. to see it. <laughs> let's, let's get to the actual game. We, we've talked about this a couple times, because this is actually take two on the Kiss and Solak show, episode 110. What? Because, no. <laughs> because Ben didn't record the first no. time around.
1: No. No, 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 no.
0: But we were talking about some of the offensive line things. And like I was saying, my favorite part of the game was in the fourth quarter. The Eagles had a seven point lead, they were up 17 to 10, and they have the Thunder and Thunder duo of Boston Scott and Danelle Pumphrey. And they get that power run game going because they have some depth along that offensive line. They can move bodies. They hammer it eight times, seventy-five yards down the field. Boston Scott punches it in from the one-yard line. Like that's that that was actually like refreshing to see. Like that's how you, that's how you want to finish a game off. And that's that's a statement drive for guys trying to make this team along that offensive line. They can point to that tape and say we we crushed these guys. You
1: know what? Not you know it's not okay. You know
0: it's not cool. What's that? Are you not recording again? No, I'm recording. Okay. <laughs> oh, it
1: was a joke. Jokes you had to on. check. You know what's not cool? Yeah. The fact that Danelle Pumphrey is only getting touches halfway through the fourth quarter—unbelievable.
0: With that shady esque cut on the outside.
1: Lashawn McCoy esque Big Ups Ross Tucker, who <laughs> agrees clearly with the the takes of the podcast in that there's essentially no difference between uh, Lashawn McCoy and Danelle Pumphrey. No, it's. I mean, like, I just—I'm so sick and tired of seeing Josh Adams. I'd rather see Scott and Pumphrey because I think they're, they're just objectively more interesting players. It's very unlikely. either makes a 53, obviously. And yeah, that drive, like, you know, there's some exciting highlights for both of them. But it's about that offensive line. about Sua Petha, the, the Weber State kid at left guard, looks good. I mean, look, he's a third-teamer out there against third-teamers. But in terms of what you get from a, a, a developmental guy like that who's all-athlete and totally just like, you know, a, a ball of clay technique-wise... Impressive stuff. He's a great mover. Uh, Jordan Mailata is at right tackle. They have Nate Herbig in there at center. Herbig was moving people left and right. Dude's nickname was Big Island at, at Stanford. He's a, a large young man. Matt Pryor at, at left tackle. They had like three guys who were like 320 plus out there. And then Alpeta is a big dude who can move really, really well. Yeah. You know, I was impressed with with the, the play of that third team line. It was a plus to play the second team line. I know we, we, we made a little. Fun about some of the hype about my lotta over week one, but his week two was, was equally strong as week one, if not better. Uh, my lotta looks really, really just like I, I want to say he looks like really, 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 really on track. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because he's not there yet.
0: It's what you want to see.
1: Right. Projecting development is hard. Like, you know, we like to think that, like, all right, he's gotten better from year one to year two, so that means he's going to get better in year three, and it really doesn't. Right. But, you know, if, if you could choose what to see him being better, staying the same, or getting worse in year two, obviously you choose getting better, and that's what's happening. So he's. Exactly where we want and expect him to be. That doesn't mean as much as we think it does, but it's still good.
0: No, you, you're you're happy for the depth along that offensive line. Unlike Andy Benoit had said in his preview of the Eagles, where he kind of brought it up as as a red flag that there are depth issues at offensive tackle. Because I mean, Andre Dillard's a first round pick. Like he's in what situation in the NFL around the NFL would you say is better than the Eagles tackle? situation like honestly depth wise looking for the future Lane Johnson plus Jason Peters who's 37 years old we get it missed 20% of the snaps last year that's really not that much he was able to fight through injuries and play and then you draft Andre Dillard and you let him sit for the most part and learn behind one of the best tackles in the league for a long time and Jason Peters and and Lane Johnson too like that seems ideal to me when you pair him with a guy like Jeff Stoutland
1: yeah I mean it's just it's very unaware because the Eagles in 2017 were you know and and, and Benoit uh, references this in his in his piece right? He says uh, in 2017 the Eagles were pushing the Cowboys for a top five offensive line. Now in 2019, offensive line isn't as good. Okay, well Peters is two years older and, and, and two years injured. Yes, uh, the Eagles have won one playoff game, at least one playoff game in both of the seasons which Peters has gone down. So I think they might be able to you know recover from Peters in season injuries. Yeah relatively well so far it would seem apparently
0: and it's crazy. i'm not even the biggest big v guy but like right th- they did and it, it is, with right. them and
1: big v who <laughs> stepped in from in 2017 and stepped in from in 2018 is ot4 yeah. and people there are people out there who like there's Dillard. My lot is playing well. The Eagles just signed Brett Toth, the Army kid. There are people who are like, the Eagles are going to move Vitae. Yeah. The, Eagles are like, the Eagles might move the dude who replaced <laughs> Peters in the 2017 Super Bowl run. And you think the offensive tackle, offensive line situation is bad. Now, I don't think they're going to move Vitae because you can't understand Vitae within the context of just tackle. I think that he's the favorite right now to start at right guard in week one if Brandon Brooks isn't there. And so I think you have to keep him for that reason. And more power to you. Like, if you ask me right now, like, does Vitae get more back in trade value right now or in week five when somebody else goes down? It's probably week five. So if you can right. keep him rostered and sneak mm-hmm. Toth onto the practice squad, which I think you can.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Then again, I also do not know how practice squad rules work, and then you add in the fact that it's military stuff. Like, there's no. Yeah. I I just I need somebody to tell me. I wish I could I could create this content of announcing that Brett Hoth can be on the practice squad, but I honestly could not tell you. So hopefully he can be. But the point here being, right? I don't think Vitae is is an, is an, is a move anytime soon. But the Eagles' offensive line situation as evidenced by the dominant play of their second-teamers versus other second-teamers, you've got to remember, when it's second-team D-line versus second-team offensive line in the preseason, in practices, everybody in the league will tell you, you expect the D-line to win. And the Eagles yeah. offensive line is regularly winning. Mm-hmm. That's how deep this team is.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe he saw the clip of Andre Dillard and, and Cody Kessler where Kessler got, like, Cracked, just got killed, and I saw some yes. people putting this on Andre Dillard, but that it just—it's just not true. I mean, Jeff Schwartz has come out and said something about it. We put that up at BleedingGreenNation.com. Mitchell Schwartz has come out and said something about it. Peterson mentioned it, uh, but it, in reality, like Kessler is hot on that blitz where where he got hit and hurt. And what I mean by that is. With a center slide to the right and an extra coming, you know, to the other side, Pryor and Dillard have to take those inside threats away. They're the that, they have to take away the most dangerous guy. And they had a crossfire blitz. Pryor should have taken the guy inside of the guy that he actually took. Dillard took the guy that he was supposed to take.
1: Pryor's not playing well. It's disappointing yeah. yeah. to see. He was playing better in year one.
0: I definitely agree. And look, so like that's going to leave you with a guy unaccounted for. That's the quarterback's responsibility. He has to know that he is hot, and it has to come out. But he just didn't see the extra man coming. He gets hurt, so we get a bunch of Clayton Thorson stuff. And we'll see how Kessler recovers from this, but it's not great to have him knocked out, and it's his second week in a row for a quarterback injury in this quarterback room for the Eagles. Like, I don't know what they're gonna do moving forward. Are they gonna bring back like Louis Perez? Like it's it's not that dire. I we have just have to get through the preseason. But
1: words for you.
0: <laughs> two words. Two sorry.
1: words. Brock, Us. Osweiler. Okay. Let's Do it, listen, we brought in Christian Hackenberg last year. We clearly have absolutely no dignity whatsoever. (laughs) Brock Osweiler. The the ship is already sailed. We are already officially let's kick the tires on this bad quarterback central. Yeah. Bring in Brock in free agent.
0: Go full bore with it. Yeah. That yeah, that's that. One one more note on the offensive line. I thought Wisniewski was bad, and apparently he can't snap, so center might not be his best position.
1: Don't even know what happened to Wisniewski, man.
0: He just fell off a cliff, and I didn't think he played that well last year. I understand why he got replaced by Siamalu. Some people didn't like it because of the, what's the word I'm looking for, the chemistry of the offensive line. It would throw it off. He wasn't playing well. So Siamalu over Wiz, Wiz trying to find a spot on this roster where he can stick. It's great having the versatility, but it's bad when you suck. So there's that going on right there.
1: It's great having the versatility, but it's bad when you suck. Welcome to the Kisten Solak <laughs> Show.
0: And we'll be back with more on the Kisten Solak Show, episode 110. We'll talk about some Miles Sanders, maybe some Brandon Graham, who I thought looked really great when we come back here on well, the Kisten yeah, Solak you put Show. put
1: Brandon Graham up against the second team off of the tackles He better look great.
0: Look, this is where you're quiet and we go to break. Bye. And we are back here on the Kissed and Solak Show episode 110, brought to you by the Five Folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. We're talking week two, sexy hot preseason action. Eagles win 24 to 10 over the Jaguars. Let's talk about like, let's talk about Miles Sanders because you, you were saying the first time, I think on the dry run uh, of this recording. you that- got to
1: stop <laughs> lying about me not recording the first <laughs> run of this podcast because it's not true and you can't prove it except there are proof I would have recorded
0: it. <laughs> so, so Miles had, it, had a couple of nice runs. The way he did it was kind of how he made his money in college, which was hitting that back door immediately. And the Jaguars lost contain on that edge a couple of times. And later in the drive, he, t- he took a loss looking for that back door on the backside. And he took what well, I think it was like negative two yards. It's not a big deal. And granted the blocking let like a free guy go. But like overall, what I watched Sanders, part of my issue with him in college was that he was always looking for that backdoor escape. And if it wasn't there, he had an issue. He had an issue reading things play side. I think he still has that issue, but at the same time, He is very obviously the most dynamic mover, and a lot of people have said this, and I absolutely agree, in this Eagles backfield. So you hope that he can really start to get more consistent with running the rock towards the play side and not just need that back door to open up for him. But what do you think about Miles? What do you think about that overall taken concern, Ben? Yeah,
1: so the one play that you're referencing, which I think it was split zone in the first quarter. It was a pre-guided game. Perkins. I had no idea who was taking who. Right. I got very confused. Yeah, yeah, My lot like, yeah. my like, needed to, to seal a guy out and wash him down, and mm. he didn't, and Perkins went to, like, hit the guy and hit my lotta and it was just ugly. So I put a lot of that on blocking. I will know a couple things with Sanders, which is really interesting. Uh, the Eagles ran him almost exclusively out of under center sets, which... The Eagles do not run a lot of under center stuff in the season. They're running a lot more under center, and a lot of that was with was with uh, Kessler in. Right. But they ran him a lot under center, and they're running him on a lot of split zone flow and a lot of like tackle fill, you know, H-back fill sort of stuff, which is going to be similar to what he saw at times when he was at Penn State. I agree with you that he's at his best when it's uh, a cut back into space, when it's kind of one read, one decision. My biggest issue with Sanders coming out, was that I did not think he was great at parsing offensive line in front of him and, and, and right. reading block leverage and making decisions and being risk-averse, being risk-prone, and figuring out the balance between those two. But this is why when we talk about fit, things are so important because, okay, Sanders is like a great in space. I mean, he's got contact balance. He's got fluidity. He can string moves together. He's intelligent. Mm-hmm. You know, He's got great instincts in, in space, good closing speed, whatever. You go to you know insert team X. You go to you know uh, it's just, pff, the Seattle. You know you go to uh, Tennessee. You're not going to get. You're going to have to be able to run between the tackles a lot more successfully than you do in Philadelphia. In Philly, where it's really they do a fantastic job at generating space in the offense. Sanders is a better natural fit because he's just he's a space player right now. He doesn't have as good of a head for running as, say, like like, like, uh, like Damian Harris did, right? Harris goes a, a round later out of Alabama, he goes to New England. Harris doesn't have the physical tools Sanders does, but he's a smart runner in between the tackles, and he's good, you know, taking one cut, getting to the spot where he needs to go. Mm-hmm. So that's a guy who, like, you know, for New England, he'll get you what, what, what's blocked, and New England tends to block it really well. Sanders, as a space weapon, makes a lot of sense for Philadelphia and what they do successfully. And so he's he's a really nice fan in how the offense works. Hey,
0: Hush. Was that Nuggets in the background, Nugget?
1: Yeah, it was Nugget saying like, oh, you're recording a podcast? What if I woke up? <laughs> That's right. Now she's going to get more and more peanut butter. She's going to quickly learn that when I do podcasts, she gets peanut butter.
0: As peanut butter jelly time. Nice. Nugget chiming in on Miles Sanders. I agree with a, bunch of, a lot of what you said there, Ben. And I want to switch to the defense. We really haven't talked about the defense performance too much. I alluded to...
1: Deshaun Hall starting over Derek Barnett.
0: Yo, Deshaun Hall with the strip sack, man. He did it again. The guy... Is out there yeah. making plays. He he looked really Dave,
1: good. Uh, Dave Zangaro, Zangaro, David of NBC Sports in Philadelphia. To, and so far this preseason, Eagles defensive end Jason Hall leads the NFL in sacks with three, tackles for loss with four, quarterback hits with five, and forced fumbles with two. Mike. It might be
0: good. Yeah, he had a couple of really nice pass rushes last night. Granted, you know, he's been facing, I think, less competition as far as who he's played, yeah. especially, in, especially in week one, because of Josh Wett going up against Tyler one is, is a much different beast than what he had to deal with. But Hollis looked fantastic. Sharif Miller. Had a a nice sack spinning back inside. I talked about Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham looked really good this game. Just like from a physical standpoint, when you watch him just using his hands so well, consistently getting pressure. I couldn't finish a sack early on on Gardner Minshew, who was a little too slippery for him, probably due to the power of his mustache. But yeah, I'm like really encouraged with the first step explosion from Graham. He looks healthy. Which he didn't look for the better part of last year, especially in that that first couple steps in his pass rush. So he looks like he's set up to have a really good year. I thought early in the game they were doing some fun stuff with Malcolm Jenkins on some of the run blitzes. And it's either that, it's either run blitzes, or he's just sniffing around the, the line and he's so good at reading things that if he sees it, he's just gonna fire his gun, he's gonna go. But I would like to see them let Jenkins do a little more of that because, you know, he's one of the most intelligent defenders in the league, and he can be very disruptive that way. What did you think about the defensive performance overall? Anything stand out to you? Who made your winners? All, all those questions you can run with, Ben, whatever you, wherever you want to go with it.
1: I wrote about this, again, winners, losers, and I don't know. The whole, like, Deshaun Hall versus Josh Wett for safety four thing. Or safety, not four? safety four? Edge four? Edge four? Yep. Yeah. Is like a really good problem to have because Sweat has not played badly. Like Sweat is playing well. He had multiple like wins on rushes, generating pressures. He he like he had one of those like strip sacks where like you know, he put the hand out, the ball was coming through. If it's like four more inches one way, he hits the throwing arm and it's a fumble. Right. You know he had multiple good rushes. Sweat's losing ground because Hall is playing so well. Right. And this is the exact issue that you want. Like there was a concern the Eagles weren't going to have edge depth. They know four guys who were playing to. They have two guys who are playing to the caliber of Edge Four. Mm-hmm. Hall is impressed the most Hall was obviously lesser known coming in and so he's surprised the most but both these kids are playing well and that's really really great news especially after you lost Joe Osman. like the depth looks solid so thank goodness for that Shreve Miller's inside sack was the result of a, of, of a quarterback moving off a set point I don't care Sharif Miller's bad yeah um, I,
0: and then yeah I t- t- totally I wanted to give him a compliment because I'm so hard on the guy no absolutely
1: but... not it was not a quality rush um <laughs>
0: It was a pretty slow spin. He was like, I guess he's going this way.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was like, all right, I'm watching the quarterback. It turns out he's going inside, so now I'm going to go inside there with him. Yep. Now, the spin, I felt, was just like, you know, for show. <laughs> that being said, what you have with what Brandon Graham. You know, you know who had the best Brandon Graham performance last night?
0: Vinny Curry? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. She's
1: eating my router. Hang on. Nugget, no, come here, baby. <laughs> Let, what, this is nap time. What are we doing? Come here. <laughs> Like, if she's just, like, walking around and causing problems, I don't care. But she literally can't eat the router. Like, I'm going to lose connection.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Ben is now getting the peanut butter. She really knows how to work you already. She owns you. Yeah,
1: well, she usually is asleep right now. I do not know why she's awake.
0: Well, stop putting peanut butter on the router.
1: It's it's not on the router. Come here. Over here. (laughs) Come on, dummy. It's over on this side, you idiot. Come here. Okay, whatever.
0: So who did the best Brandon Graham?
1: No, no, no. Like, Brandon Graham played well, but... That mattered more for Gardner Minshew than it did for Brandon Graham. Because, like, Brandon Graham should have played well. Minshew, who knew for a fact that within two seconds, Brandon Graham was going to be in his face on every rep, right, was tremendous. I mean, yeah. just get the ball to the first read, throw a catchable football, survive, he didn't take bad sacks. And Graham was killing. They put a tight end on Brandon Graham on one third down. Yeah. Like, the indignity. How dare you? Like, what are you doing? And, and, and <laughs> Minshew stares him right down and throws a beautiful nine ball over on the DJ Charks. Sidney Jones was in coverage. Sidney Jones has not looked bad, but he has not looked good uh, over the past couple of weeks. Graham looked healthy. I'm very glad to see that. That's great. I know that he wanted to play, and they made a point of that, and that's that's fun. But, um, you know, to me, like, what was more impressive was how Carter Minshew kind of accepted the fact that Brandon Graham was going to live in the backfield and survive. Yeah. The one defensive player who stood out to me in terms of a guy that played better than I remember him playing was Kevin Wilkins, third-string defensive tackle, undrafted free agent out of Rutgers. Uh, you know, obviously long, long path onto the roster. But the dude, firstly, is as broad of a human being as I've ever seen. Dude's a house. And then he's, you know, he's got enough mobility that it's tough to get a guy of his size sealed off in the running game. Mm. And then he was effective accordingly defending the run. And then against the pass, he's a big dude. And so he's collapsing pocket depth pretty well. Wilkins is a practice squad candidate, but he had a strong showing. And that's what matters for practice squad candidates.
0: Hey, DeAndre Hall can't tackle. How about that? I was disappointed Deion- in him.
1: This, this, there's no... Thank God. Like, yeah, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Thank God for Andrew Sandejo. Thank goodness he's here. I'm so happy.
0: I mean, uh, Sandejo... <laughs> safeties. And Cyprian. these Ciprian. safeties
1: are so bad.
0: The drop-off to an experienced guy, like, you know I'm not a big Cyprian fan, but the drop-off from him to the other guys is just it's precipitous man it's dangerous that's how, that's how bad it is so i mean at least they have like you said thank god for andrew Sendejo because Sendejo's looked good and i think he's gonna fit well with this defense and gonna do some nice things for them when they go big dime and big nickel and things like that so it's good to have him on the squad some of these defensive backs are bad that we get to watch for the rest of the preseason and there we get to watch them and we get to watch about maybe 120 more minutes of Clayton Thorson, so we'll, we'll see how that works. It's very exciting.
1: Here's my main thing, which just like what just bothers me is that I really can't tell you how well our Sega Whiteside's playing. Our Whiteside is playing.
0: Are you, are you going for it? Are you going for the correct? Well, we have uh, to, unquote? right? He asked. Do we nicely? No, he's, he also said he would understand if we didn't. I can't do our Whiteside. Like my my dental work does not allow for me not to sound stupid when I say that.
1: Well, I'm just genetically advanced, I suppose. Anyway, <laughs> JJ, i Thego Whiteside. Yeah, Jjaw. I wish I could tell you how well he's playing.
0: He's really good at slants.
1: He's, we, we, yeah, and we knew that he was never going to be a great downfield separator. And the reason we knew that is because he's, he's, you know, uh, a bigger dude who's not super fast. He doesn't have great, you know, explosiveness to separate down the field in terms of like a nine ball guy. They've targeted him because they wanted to hit him on those routes, and he's good on those routes in contested situations, but he has not yet played with a quarterback accurate enough to really put those balls consistently to a spot where he can go get them, right? Right. There was the Adoree Jackson play, which Adoree Jackson had good coverage, but that ball was left inside. There was a few uh, uh, attempts from, from Forrest in this past game against Jacksonville where just there's no reason to expect our single wide side to make that catch given where the ball was placed. You know, you've got to be able to put that ball high and outside. You have to be able to hit him on the back shoulder.
0: That's why I was so excited to see him with Sudfeld because Sudfeld doesn't right. give a damn. <laughs> He's yeah, throwing Yeah, Sudfeld
1: will rocket that poppy in there and say, go get it, brother. And that's yeah. just, we don't have that with Kessler and Thorson. And so, like, our single wide side hasn't had a good preseason. But a lot of that is due to circumstance so far. You know what I mean? I think he's a better player than he seems. Obviously, I, you know, I, you know, evaluate him coming out and I liked him. So I, I do think he's a better player than he seems. But I, I just wish we could see a bit more of what he would look like. You know what I mean? So, yeah.
0: They got to be catchable balls for you to be able to catch him. I've always said that. Well, hopefully we get some sort of change at the quarterback position or somebody starts playing a little bit I wasn't better.
1: even giving you a pity chuckle on that one. I wanted you to sit with it. So you heard in your head what you said.
0: Yeah, no, I mean I always sound stupid to myself. My wife points that out all the time. So
1: if you sound stupid to yourself, how is your wife alone pointing it out?
0: How are how do we have so many downloads, Ben? Why do we have so many five-star ratings I don't know. I, I can't explain any. I don't even know why, why my why my wife is with me or why I have this job. None of it makes any sense to me. <laughs> Ask
1: ben. Adam shefter He's the expert on why wives are still around.
0: So, Ben, that's gonna do it for the Kissed and Solak Show, episode 110. Ben is s- splaying peanut butter on his router again. It's the that's last gonna go one. well.
1: It's the fifth one of this podcast.
0: <laughs> Say goodbye to the gentle listeners so you can handle your handle your dog. Thank you, as always. No listening
1: to the kissed. Solak and Nugget Show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. This was preseason week two, folks. We are halfway through. If you're a college football fan, you're listening to this. We are eight days away from the onset of week zero college football season.
0: I disagree. Florida State told me that it was 154 days away, depending on, on how you read the graphic. That
1: was. <laughs> um, and yeah, we're, we're a little over three weeks away from the onset of the NFL season. Thank the good Lord almighty. And adorable. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go ahead and leave a rating, a review, and a subscription. Five-star ratings only so that we continue to lie to the people and pretend to be good at this. Which, evidently, we are not. Uh, I'm Benjamin Solak on Twitter. At Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's Michael Kist on Twitter. At Michael NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Early next week, talking about other things that happened. There's no more training camp practices. So there's probably not going to be as many podcasts. But you should still listen to them. Because when it would be good. Thank you.
0: We all we got. We all we need. Stop it, you scam. Fly, <laughs> Eagles, fly.
1: How do you eat peanut butter that fast? I, like, stuff it in there. Like goes, like, into the tree, and she gets a giant tongue in there. P.G.N.